podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there guys, what is going on? Daniel Childs back here again. Rational perspective on West Ham 1, Chelsea 1. A game where Chelsea, as I said in my preview, needed to win. They didn't win against a team one point above the relegation zone. It's not good enough. And, you know, three or two wins, I think it is now in 13 Premier League games. It is nowhere near what Chelsea should be doing with this group of players. It's hard to look at that game. Again, it's kind of just a tale of this season that, you know, you have good moments, you have good periods, but, you know, those periods and those high points are so short-lived and you're kind of just brought back to the crushing reality of how miserable this season is. Today, my frustration is, of course, kind of superseded by, and I'm looking towards officials and officiating because Chelsea were robbed of a penalty. There's just kind of no way around it. You know, Chelsea should have had a penalty. Suchek was playing as a goalkeeper, an extra goalkeeper for West Ham. And when you have that level of just awful, abundantly, you know, bad officiating on show, it's hard to just swipe that, you know, under the carpet and go, well, it's excuses. I don't think it is. I think it was a clear penalty. Chelsea still have to score that penalty if they get it. But I don't know how anyone with half a brain can look at that and go, that isn't a penalty. Of course, the the one person that matters has that brain to see that it's a penalty and the most obvious penalty you're going to see all day. Neil Swarbrick, apparently the head of VAR for the Premier League, which makes it even more pathetic, to be honest, um, can't see that. So you can get angry about that. We can be frustrated about that. We know Premier League officiating is awful in this country. It has been for years and years and years at this point. And I, and I have little faith it will ever improve. But we have to talk about what Chelsea can control in terms of their performance. And I think it's just such a shame when I look back at that first half of 45 minutes that I think in in the main in an attacking point of view was really really encouraging for Chelsea it really really was and it was exciting to watch particularly the first 20 minutes when Chelsea took the lead and looked like they could storm away from a West Ham team struggling with confidence and you know lacking the quality to deal with some of Chelsea's players but then one lapse in concentration changes the game and drags everything back down, allows the opposition to come back in in what is a hostile environment. You know, in terms of going to that stadium, Chelsea have struggled in recent years. Um, but I felt it was pretty tame and I think Chelsea were controlling it. And, and that, for me, is the big shame of today that, as I say, one lapse in concentration and certain performances just lets the team down. And it's exactly what Chelsea don't need at the moment. And uh, we don't get the win and, you know, attention is going to turn once again to the dugout and why we aren't winning against teams we should be. And that's just the reality. You can't get around it. Before we do get into that, if you're new around here, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell so you don't miss any of the uploads. If you want to listen to it as a podcast, make sure to check it out on the podcast feed. Son of Chelsea is a part of the 90 Min podcast network. So going into the starting 11, I mean, I was encouraged by that starting 11. With the exception of Mark Kukurea being in there and Kai Havertz starting, it was very, very close to what I predicted last night. I think the big surprise was that Ruben Loftus-Cheek was starting in central midfield alongside Enzo Fernandez. Uh, kind of, you know, without Denis Zakaria, without Mateo Kovacic, without N'Golo Kante, you know, who's going to kind of be that deeper player? And especially with Jorginho gone now, who's going to be that deeper player alongside Enzo Fernandez? So I think, you know, out of the options available to Graham Potter, I guess in terms of experience, you could say, yeah, it makes sense that, you know, you'd put Ruben Loftus-Cheek there, um, but he's still getting, you know, back to speed with things after an injury. I think his last start was back in November, even before the World Cup. So it, it's been a long time for him to, to be playing. But I, I like the fact that we saw Nodi Malawake start, Mikhailo Mudrik, and of course, Drow Felix. 
I think there was a lot to be excited about. And I think the first 20 minutes vindicated that um, in terms of a, a fresh feel to Chelsea of, of players taking risks on the ball, of some more direct slick passing. The the person who really dominated that and kind of encapsulated that was uh, Drow Felix. Drow Felix looks a level above a lot of other Chelsea players. I think he faded in the second half, but I think part of that was Chelsea losing control of the game in other areas and losing the physical battle in other areas. So we were incapable of getting the ball to him in dangerous positions like we were in the first 20 minutes. But really, really good from Drow Felix, um, you know, in terms of that position, in terms of the way he was able to just pick up pockets, not always, you know, in a number 10 role, but when he was floating over to the left, floating to the right. And you could just get that feeling in that first few minutes, you know, he had the the goal ruled out uh, with a delicate chip over Fabianski and then it hit the post, came back and he just coolly put it in. You just got the feeling that if Chelsea were going to do something today in front of goal, Joao Felix was going to be involved. And I just thought it was wonderful that the goal that did come from, from Chelsea, you have Enzo Fernandez chipping in a brilliant ball from a central midfielder assisting Joao Felix. Those two... I, I spoke about chemistry last week and, you know, expecting chemistry of all these new players to, to click so quickly was going to be unrealistic. But I was very encouraged looking at Enzo Fernandez and Joao Felix play together for the first time for Chelsea. They seem to have a connection. And I think that is absolutely something Chelsea should be leaning on in the upcoming weeks because both of those players, once again, showed good things. And again, you know... I think some tight offsides are at least close with, you know, Kai Havertz going around the goalkeeper and Chelsea playing a little bit braver and Nani Manawake had some good moments in the first half too. And you're just kind of thinking, yeah, this could be a really emphatic win for Chelsea, what we desperately need. But then we don't get that second goal and then it's just, you know, we'll get to the equaliser from, of all people, of course, Emerson uh, at the back post. I was not, I mean, I'm not surprised that Marco Correa gets all of the blame for it because what a surprise. I mean, Marco Correa is not having a good season for Chelsea. He's not, I want to see Ben Chilwell starting games now. But, you know, I I think that Marco Correa will be blamed for sort of everything that goes wrong at Chelsea or just everything. I can imagine some people have such, you know, hatred for Marco Correa. Um, you know, if they, they wake up on the wrong side of the bed, if, if they stub their toe, it's Marco Correa's fault. Um, Marco Correa could have done a little bit better to close the cross down um, from Sufal. But for me, I'm looking at the right side of Chelsea's defence. Where was Reese James? Where was Nordi Madawake? Why did a, a ball that wasn't a great cross in that get, then gets a flick on from Bowen? Why was it then two West Ham players at the back post who could have got there? And we concede what proves to be a, a really devastating goal in the game because, you know, we, we don't go on to, to score again. So, listen, I know people want to, people, as we know in football, like to have their scapegoats and they like to point at people. But I think at times the, it seems to me like Carrera has become a very easy scapegoat. And I do wonder if that's because he has a connection to the current head coach. And we saw it with, say, Jorginho. It's kind of like a Jorginho Sarri repeat. But I'm sorry, I like Reese James, but I expect Reese James to not do a Trent Alexander-Arnold at the back post and just completely forget what he's supposed to be doing. It was it, I expect more from Chelsea's defence there, and it simply wasn't good enough, and it cost Chelsea dearly. These are moments in games that right now when Chelsea are lacking confidence, they're lacking rhythm, and you you need to have those things on point, and we didn't and in that moment, and it, and it was very costly. And... You know, again, I think that, you know, Chelsea were really rocked by that. It looked like to me, you know, of course, West Ham, their crowd was riled by it. The game became a little bit more direct, more physical. Those things that you expect from West Ham. 
Um, and I think we really struggled to ever find that tempo and control again in the game. There were periods in the second half when I felt we were able to get Reese James and Ben Sherwell in, in wider areas. You know, anytime you can get Reese and Ben Sherwell putting a good ball for Kai Havertz as well. Anytime you can get those two out wide and, and isolated against their opposing fullback, I think it, 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 those are good moments for Chelsea. I think once again, though, it's just like I'm, you know, in sort of an attacking point of view, I'm looking at a player like, and I know people accuse me of being a hypocrite for, you know, scapegoating, but, you know, again, I look at Kai Havertz and I think, you know, why couldn't David Datro Fafana come on today earlier? I didn't understand a lot of the subs, if I'm being completely honest with you. You know, I think that um, I understood, obviously, Ben Chilwell coming on. I could understand Hakim Ziyech coming on to give you kind of a, a threat. Mikhail Mudrik was not having a good game. Um, he wasn't impacting it. But I just, you know, I, I'm looking at, say, Conor Gallagher coming on. I, I think Mountain had some good, decent moments, but it was mainly for me, I was completely baffled that Fafana did not come off the bench at all in that game. Uh, when, to me, I felt what we were lacking in the first half, along with the, the positivity we saw from some of those attackers, was more of a central focus that, that Felix could play off even more. And I don't think Kai Havertz was offering that. And the fact that, you know, he doesn't come off the bench for the last 10 minutes, he's not going to be involved against Borussia Dortmund. It just made little sense to me. It really did. And I think that was a mistake by Graham Potter. I think it really was in a time when Chelsea needed it. We go back to um, some of the, the officiating problems. You know, for me, I think Sufal could have been off the pitch to me. He should have been booked by Craig Paulson before half time. Eventually he was booked after half time. Um you know, when it looked like West Ham might have won the game um, from that set piece that was badly given away, I think, by Ziyech. But, you know, he's offside Declan Rice. It's just so abundantly clear. And it was just a warning. It was kind of like the foreshadowing to the awful decision that was about to come at the other end involving Sufal, um, sorry, on Suchek, was how long it took for VAR to decipher that, that what was clearly an offside on Declan Rice was offside. Chelsea had played a good high line. Ben Sherwell, they kept on saying on commentary, Ben Sherwell was maybe, no, he wasn't keeping him on at all. Declan Rice is, is one of the easiest decisions you're going to ever see. And why did it take so long for what is, for everyone, um, you don't have to be a trained official to look at that and go, yeah, it's offside. It's so abundantly clear that Declan Rice is standing in an offside position. There's no two ways about it. And the fact that it took that long is just insulting, really. I expect a lot better. And then we go to the other end where, you know, Conor Gallagher takes a shot. It's probably not going, you know, in, in the goal. But then Suchek does this dive. You know, Kepa made a good say. You know, maybe Suchek wants to be a goalkeeper. Isn't doing that well on the pitch for West Ham this season. Maybe wants to be a goalkeeper himself. Great diving save, um, but should be a penalty. Even Peter Walton, who usually is the spin doctor for Premier League officials, even he at, on BT Sport today could not defend that decision. He said, I can't believe that's not a penalty. Um, just bizarre. But just looking at a stat that, you know, Chelsea... There was no shots on target. Just looking at up to Joe, there was no shots on target in the second half between West Ham and Chelsea. That's the second Premier League match we've done after half time this season after Southampton versus Nottingham Forest in January. Um, and that in itself speaks to Chelsea's lack of lack of creativity. And I think in terms of XG, in terms of uh, good quality chances we talk about, I don't think you can say Chelsea made enough opportunities. You know, if if you know, if, if we'd made a lot of opportunities in that second half and really dominated things and Fabianski had made some big saves and then you have the Gallagher penalty moment, I think maybe we could turn around and go, yeah, like Chelsea had not only created a good enough number of opportunities, but when you're not creating those opportunities, I think you're always going to lack sympathy in those moments uh, because, you know, the attacking... It, it, the sad thing about that game, it reminded me, and I was thinking this, not even in kind of hindsight, I was thinking this when West Ham equalised that 
in the first half that this is going to be a bit like the the Nottingham Forest game that we saw where Chelsea scored early and there was some hope that maybe Chelsea could take control of a game. They should be a winning away from home and against a team, you know, lower down in the table. And we can see an equaliser and the momentum of the game shifts. It it never shifted dramatically like the Forest game did. I think it really, you know, took a nosedive after half time against Forest um, at the start of January. But this game was similar in a sense where that halftime team talk. You want to see Chelsea go out and, and exploit in the areas that they had before. And we just never did. And we never reached that peak again. I, I know context, We you know, it is important to say there are a lot of new players here. But it just, with all of the baggage of this season already, if this was, say, in August and you're, you're having performances like this, I think that, you know, a lot of people would go, yeah, but it's not in August. We're in February, reaching March. And a lot of people have seen a lot of crap this season at Stamford Bridge. And, you know... It, you feel like you're just living the same day over and over again and there's such a lack of joy watching Chelsea. I've, I've said that so many times this season. Do not play a drinking game because I think you'll be in a body bag for the number of times I've said that exact line this season. But really, I mean, those are my thoughts on the game, um, to be honest. And we, and we move on now to Borussia Dortmund in midweek. That is going to be another challenge. You know, it's a hostile environment against, you know, a, a better team, a much better team than West Ham. Potter needs a win. He desperately does because... You know, right, we'll look at the league form, we'll look at sort of where Chelsea should be in the league improving, but, you know, he, he needs to build some momentum somehow, he needs to find a win somehow, and I think that as a coach, you can look at the first half and say, I think he coached the team well, I think Chelsea was set up well, I think they were moving in good directions, I think they were doing enough in the first half to create opportunities to score, which they did through Joao Felix, but... After half time, where is that again? We had moments of pressure, but nothing like in the first half. Nothing, you know, it, it seemed to really dwindle. And then you can kind of criticize some of his substitutions or the players who just didn't come off the bench. So I, I know a lot of people who, you know, are really negative about this current head coach, you know, are not going to be convinced by today. Fair enough, you know, and, and, and to be honest, it just is so infuriating watching Chelsea at the moment. There's just no two ways around it. And it just, you're desperate for some sort of positivity. And, you know he's he's got a massive job on his hand. I think on in midweek because it, it's a, it's a really tough game. And then you've got Southampton after after that. Which yeah, sure you can look at it. Southampton at home with what they're doing this season should be three points for Chelsea. But as we went into today, Chelsea should be winning this game. They really should. Um, despite some of the quality that West Ham have, despite the fact that it's it's at a ground that Chelsea have struggled with, I I expect a lot more. And Chelsea just need to get over the line. They need to stop putting runs of wins together. And this current group of players needs to prove that. So the scrutiny and the criticism is going to be there. And it needs to be a quick change in mindset because the Dortmund game, I believe, is on Tuesday. So it's a real quick turnaround. Which in some ways is good because Chelsea can get back out on the pitch again. But in other ways, uh, we need to see proof that Chelsea have enough within them to ride moments within games of adversity, which I just I have not seen any proof of this season at all. Those are my thoughts. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Son of Chelsea. If you're listening on the podcast, please give a positive rate and review. And I will see you again very soon. All the best. Podcast Network.